Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sony Music Presents Time to Talk. I'm your host, Sean Sennett, and our special guest this week is rugby league immortal Jonathan Thurston. I've got to say, you know, it was a tremendous buzz to chat to JT. I mean, he's one of the greatest rugby league players of all time, but he's also known for his philanthropy and his work with Indigenous youth. When I went to Wikipedia to do a bit of research, I looked up his um, his accolades and they just say, there's too many to mention, we're just going to publish some highlights. I mean, as you know, he was an Australian international, he played State of Origin for Queensland, was a member of the Indigenous All-Stars, he played for the Bulldogs, North Queensland Cowboys, halfback or a 5'8", and he was obviously a very noted goal kicker, that's probably an understatement. In 2015, he became the first ever four-time Dally M medalist for the NRL season's best player. And later that year, he became the first ever three-time winner of the Golden Boot Award for the world's best player. Talking about State of Origin, JT's the only person to have played 24 games of Queensland's eight-year State of Origin winning streak, playing 35 matches from his debut in 2005. In 2018, JT founded and launched the Jonathan Thurston Academy, or the JT Academy as it's known, of which he's now the managing director. The Academy provides a forum which encourages Australians' youth to access educational and vocational resources needed to secure meaningful employment. He's a fascinating man. Um, Before we did the interview, I surfed across to the JT Academy website, and there's everything you need to inform yourself about the organisation. And there's also, of all things, a dad joke book. So if you go there, make sure you download that. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating. It helps move us further up the uh, the ladder there so more people can hear about the podcast. And here he is, the man himself, JT. Hey, Jonathan, good to meet you. Yeah, you too. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Really well. Um, You've made me hit with my kids not because they're uh, football fans, but I downloaded the dad joke book from your uh, Jonathan Thurston. <laughs> the dad jokes, yes. They're great. The, they, the, I don't know if you wrote them, but the, the one they loved last night was, uh, if a child refuses nap time, are they guilty of resisting arrest? Arrest, yes. Brilliant. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my kids are always resist an arrest, so. Oh, yeah. Yes. Four, four girls. Eight, six, four, and two they are this year. So it's, uh, yeah, it's chaotic. <laughs> all, all even numbers there. Yeah, yep. So we planned for three, and uh, yep. number four was a surprise. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Four's, four's pretty full on. I've got two, they're uh, 10 and seven. And uh, somebody said to me, if you have three kids, it's like you're drowning and somebody throws you an extra kid. <laughs> it's a- pretty, pretty much. <laughs> so, yes, our eight-year-old's going on 18. She thinks she's 18. Uh, the, the rest of the girls are pretty good. But, yeah, our eldest, she's uh, it's tough work at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be complaining because they're actually really good. But, um, yeah, eight weeks of holidays and then, yeah, they were sick of us. We were sick of them. They were sick of each other. And then, yeah, good to be back at school. I know what you mean. That eight weeks kind of felt like it was a year off to me. It was so long, that holiday. I'm it sure was. when I was a kid, the holidays weren't that long. <laughs> yeah. I uh, wish I had uh, eight weeks off. That would be nice. But, um, yeah, it's a long time. So I guess with, uh, you know, COVID and things, particularly last year in 2020, you would have spent a lot more time at home with a lot less travelling for you. 
Yeah, so that was really good, actually. Um, got to spend a lot more time at home, uh, especially with the girls. Um, so their schooling didn't change. Um, we could uh, still take them to school. Obviously, they had uh, restrictions and, and things, so we couldn't walk them into school and things like that, but we had to drop them off and teachers grab them and they all sit together before yeah. they all go. So it was all restrictions and, and stuff, but... Um, yeah, it was nice actually to uh, yeah spend a, a a lot more time at home. My first year out of the game, which was twenty nineteen, that was uh, yeah a lot of time away from home, which wasn't great. Uh, that was took a fair bit of uh, uh, it was hard work actually, yeah, for the family. Yeah, um, and then yeah. Last year, uh, yeah, a lot more time at home. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot better. The, the wife was uh, pretty good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't get sick of you? No, well, uh, yeah, she was, uh, by the end of it, she was uh, trying to kick me out the door. But, um, you know, like I got to do all the things like you normally miss like school drop-offs and school pickups yeah. and things like that because you're normally on the road and you're right. normally away. So, you know, just those little things, um, yeah, you, you sort of take for granted. But, um, yeah, to be able to, you know, do, do school pickups and school drop-offs, uh, yeah, that's been great. Did you do the uh, homeschooling thing? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, you didn't? You had to do it up there? <laughs> yeah, so we were all right. So they said if I have uh, adequate learning capabilities at home, please keep your children at home. Yeah. And uh, we spoke to the school. We've got, um, yeah, four kids, obviously. Um, yeah, elder two are at school and uh, trying to teach them at home with the younger two. Oh, yeah. Running around in the backyard, it just wouldn't have worked. So, yeah, they were, they were fine with us bringing the kids in. So, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I, I kind of got sacked after about day one. They kind of went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you back. Yeah, I would have been the same. So, <laughs> you're not, not on your own there. Well, was, secretly, I was kind of grateful. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you, your shoulder looks pretty good from here. Um, how are they feeling now? Yeah, not too bad. So I uh, play a fair bit of golf now, uh, which is good, but it's uh, not so good on the shoulders. But, um, yeah, so the, the, the one that I had recently done, uh, that's really good. Uh, the other one's not so great, but it's just, it, it is, you know, it wakes up, it wakes you up in the, during the night, um, but that's just how it is. So... I wouldn't change it, obviously, but it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I, th- I thought of you the other day when uh, Tom Brady kind of brought it home because uh, he's a bit of a hero of yours, right? Yeah. 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 Massive uh, fan of Tom Brady. Uh, so, yeah, when he uh, got drafted, I think it was in 2000, um, yeah, and just watched a lot of YouTube clips on him and, um, yeah, just – the way he goes about his business, so it was just really inspiring, and um, you know, I tried to hold myself uh, accountable in that uh, regard, trying to um, you know, making sure that uh, everything I did around the club was at the, the highest level. So, um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, 
fangirling uh, Tom Brady, that's for sure. <laughs> Did you ever think if I had all that padding those gridiron guys had, I'd still be playing? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, so uh, they do have a fair bit of padding, but, um, you know, they're, they're getting hit from, uh, yeah, from the blind side and everything like that, so it's a, it's a fair sport. So... When, when you were a kid, I can imagine, how big was watching Origin on TV or even going to Suncorp Stadium? You, would you have been old enough to have gone to Lang Park and seen a game there? Nah, so uh, my first experience was uh, when I represented uh, Queensland 19s as an 18-year-old uh, at, at Suncorp. So, but um, our household, growing up as a kid, uh, as soon as Origin was on, it was next level. So it was, uh, yeah, just our family. My mum's one of 13, so she's got uh, nine brothers and three sisters. Uh, dad's uh, got a, a sister and a couple of brothers as well. But, um, yeah, rugby league was uh, huge in our household. So Alfie was your big hero at the time, was he, when you were a kid? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the Broncos through the 90s were – they were on top of the world. So, you know, if you grew up in Brisbane, there was, yeah, the Broncos and uh, Alfie. You know, he was so small. I was always small growing up as well, always the smallest in the team and things like that. So I took inspiration uh, from watching Alfie, seeing how small he was and what he did on the field. So, yeah, there's a little bit of similarities there. When you sort of got older and got to meet people like Alfie, I assume Wally and other people like that, was there a lot of conversations with you about your game, like how to uh, reach those incredible heights you've reached? Uh, yeah, so the, the biggest thing with uh, Alfie and, um, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with Wally, but especially with Alfie is uh, in Origin, Origin's so intense. Like uh, it's just really intense. Um, you know, there's not much room for error, so you've got to be on your game. You've got to train well. You've got to prepare well. You know, the, the stakes are extremely high. But the thing about Alfie was when you're away from the paddock, enjoy that. And that's what I got probably the most out of Alfie was, you know, away from the paddock, uh, have fun with the boys, enjoy the, the company because, you know, and, I was lucky enough to play in that many games and there's only a few players that, you know, play one, two, three games. Yeah. So, you know, like it was, yeah, enjoying being in the moment and uh, having fun with the boys. So, yeah, I was very lucky. I loved it in your book when you said uh, one of the highlights of your career was getting tackled by Darren Lockyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. So I was a massive, uh, like I said, uh, Broncos uh, fan growing up and, uh, you know, through my teenage years, uh, started to watch Lockie uh, extremely close, um, you know, just the way that he glided across the ground, yeah. uh, you know, his vision, uh, you know, his passing game, just kicking game, you know, I really uh, took all that on board and then, um, yeah, I remember uh, when he tackled me, I was like, yeah, fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
you know, for many, many people who've been listening to this, you know, we've never played sport beyond school pretty much or, you know, maybe a little bit beyond that, but not certainly not at the incredible level that you've played it at. And I was kind of curious, what's it like when you're in the dressing rooms before a big thing like a premiership or an origin game? What's the – is there much chitter-chatter between the boys? Is there music playing? Is it what, – what's going on? Now, so everyone sort of keeps to themselves – uh, you know, most boys have got uh, a bit of music they're playing uh, by themselves. Uh, sometimes there's a, a speaker there that was playing music uh, as well. But uh, for myself, um, you know, it's about going through all the processes of what you've trained through the week. You know, you've got your set starts. Uh, you know, you, you understand the, the attack that will be coming at you. So defensively, you know, the shapes that are coming at you. So for me, it was about... You know, those final moments before we started to warm up was going over those and making sure that I was, you know, on top of everything to uh, perform at the highest level. Could you even give a breakdown of how much rugby league is a mental game versus purely a physical one? Is there like a – is it as much mental as physical at that level? Uh, Origin is a lot more – it's physical, but uh, it is mentally tough. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be mentally strong to play State of Origin. And uh, that's the thing about State of Origin. It will find the weak. So mm-hmm. if you're not uh, tough enough mentally or physically, uh, mm-hmm. Origin has a, has a way of finding you out. So, yeah. But it's the best week in your life. Like The, the relationships that you build uh, with the, the players, uh, the, the coaching staff and things like that, um, yeah, it's just uh, – it's the best time of your life, that's for sure. I was reading about Phelps, the swimmer, and he kind of had every scenario ready so that uh, if his goggles were going to fill with water, he'd have people turn out the lights in the uh, the arena so he could <laughs> swim in the dark just to get ready for it. And I heard once that when you were training, even your teammates would heckle you during a kick just to get you prepared for everything. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So goal kicking um, – Always had the, the, the same process of, of, of what I've done. I had the same routine and that was having that same routine that gives you confidence that no matter what the scoreboard says, when you're taking that goal kick, you know you're going to nail it. So every time I was over the top of the ball, I knew I was going to, you know, kick this, this goal. So, yeah, a part of that was when you're practising on the field is uh, getting the boys to, yeah. to heckle you uh, and also get the boys to give you scenarios as well. So, you know, we've uh, just scored in the corner. So you've got to kick this to level the, the game. So, mm. you know, you're putting yourself in all these different scenarios as well so that you know that when you are there in the heat of the moment, yeah. uh, you're ready to roll. Any funny heckles or is it just sheer abuse? <laughs> no, it's been a f- uh, fair few heckles. Um, Parramatta, Parramatta Stadium, uh, that, you know, it's pretty close there, the sideline when you're goal king, so yeah. get heckled a bit there. But uh, probably the, the most, uh, the one that always sticks out is the, the 2015 grand final, um, taking the goal kick from the sideline and uh, Alfie walking past and saying, I'll give you 500 if you miss. <laughs> So that's the one that always sticks out. But, um, yeah, I'm still waiting for me 500, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I think about that moment, you know, uh, 
the, the, the miss, as you call it. I always think of Don Bradman going out to bat in that last innings of his and needed four runs. And if he got four runs, he would have had, as you know, the perfect average of 100. Yes. And it's like yeah. he's Don Bradman. He's obviously going to get the four runs, but he doesn't. And it kind of yeah. makes him more, he's godlike, but kind of mortal as well. I kind of see a comparison with you hitting the, oh. the, the steelwork on that kick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for myself, they're the moments I live for. Hmm. That's where I want to be. So when the, the game's on the line, I want the ball in my hands. When I need to kick a goal from the sideline, I, I cannot think of being anywhere else in the world than right here in this moment and, and doing this because that's what I'm before. That's hmm. That was the adrenaline. That's just how I was the, the, the whole time. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, going through my process with all my goal kicking doesn't change. But, yeah, when it hit the uh, upright, uh, you don't have to be a, a, a lip reader to know what I said. But, um, yeah, it was uh, pretty crushing, that's for sure. i got to say, though, when you then took the field goal, it must have made everything so much sweeter. It's like that yeah. was the perfect ending. Yeah, yeah. So I don't miss twice. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I missed that goal kick, it hit the upright and bounced off. You know, like I said, that was – that's what I live for. They're the moments that yeah. I, I thrive in. And, and, and missing that goal kick, it just crushed my dreams. Like that's – I've always – that's where I wanted to be, right there in that yeah. moment. And, uh, yeah, and so it crushed my dreams. Um, but I remember all the boys coming over to me and, uh, you know, patting me on the head saying, we'll get an extra time and get an extra time. And then, you know, as a leader and as a, you know, one of, one of the captains, Matty Scott was a co-captain as well. So you just got to flick the switch and, 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 you know, concentrate on what's next. And um, because if you don't, uh, you know, that can come back and haunt you. You must have been willing that ball into your hands for extra time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. So in uh, extra time, uh, five minutes. So normally a set of six takes about forty-five to fifty seconds. So if you receive the ball in extra time, you'll normally get three sets with the ball. So I wanted to receive, but it uh, come from upstairs to to kick off. So I do not know why to this day that I didn't overrule the coach, but I chose to kick off uh, with the coach and, uh, yeah, felt he put the ball up in the air and I remember just running down, just going, holy, this is – it had snow coming down. I feel like it was that high. So, um, yeah, Benny Hunt, uh, unfortunately for him and his team, dropped the ball, uh, fortunately for us. Yeah, we got that opportunity to, to ice it and win the Cowboys their first ever premiership. So it's no doubt my greatest memory on a footy field. Once it came off your boot, you must have known it was going straight through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you put a lot of hours and practice into doing your, your field goals from different parts of the field and things like that. So um, if you watch uh, Cooper Crump when he does his field goals – the point of the ball always touches the ground first and then mm-hmm. gets a really good strike on it. That night we had a real uh, breeze into our face. So I remember when I dropped it, I could just see the ball starting to fill over like that 
And when the ball's like that, if you hit it on the toe of the ball, mm-hmm. that's going to send it out to the right. So you've got to adjust your foot and hit it on the belly so it goes straight. So as I've seen the ball tipping over like that, I've made that adjustment, hit it on the belly, and as soon as I looked up and, uh, yeah, I remember jumping over and straight into Cootie's hands and the, the arms and all the boys over the top of me. And, yeah, it was just that's what I got brought to the Cowboys to do. And uh, I was there. I got signed in 2005. It was my first year. We made the grand final and lost against the Tigers. And mm-hmm. as a 23-year-old, you're like thinking, you know, I'm going to play in more grand finals, that's for sure. But it took me another 10 years to – to get in the grand final again, so, um, you know, I was 30 uh, at this stage. So, yeah, it's uh, my greatest memory on a rugby league field, that's for sure. I've heard you describe the art of kicking a ball and how you go about kicking a ball, and it really is like almost poetry the way you describe it. Would you mind taking our listeners through your process for how you kick? (laughs) Yeah, so my goal kicking, it hasn't changed. Uh, that's what gives me the confidence to know that no matter where I am on the field, uh, I, I, I'll slot. I'm expected. I know I'll, I'll goal kick it. But um, for my routine is um, the closer I am to the sideline, the further I take it back. So, um, you know, if I'm on the sideline, I take it back about 23, 24 metres, depending what the wind and everything's doing as well. So, but... Uh, I'll pick out a target um, behind the uprights, so in the crowd. Uh, that's where I want to kick the ball for. So once the ball is lined up, I uh, take a few steps back. I make sure that's exactly where it is. Once I'm comfortable, I walk over to the top of the ball. I wiggle my toes, take a couple of deep breaths, and then uh, look where the target is, where I want to kick, and then I take me four steps back. Uh, wiggle my toes again uh, because I want to feel where I'm going to strike the ball. So I strike the ball on a part of my foot every time on the same part of the ball. So if you are an inch to the left of the ball, that's going to dictate where the ball goes. So for me, it's getting that feeling in my foot. Uh, Once I've done that, take my three steps to the left and then uh, I'll take a half step back. Uh, once I'm in this uh, motion, I'll wiggle my toes again so I'll get that feeling in my foot, and then I'll visualise my walking. So I'll visualise, i always take a half step back, and then my left foot is my first step, so i count my steps in one, two, three, four, five. So I'll visualise my walking, I visualise kicking the ball, I visualise the ball going through the sticks and then I visualise the ball coming back on the goal card on the tee and then once I've done that again, I've uh, wiggled my toes and then uh, run in and, uh, yeah, do it for real. So that's my process every time I goal kick. Then the magic happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of uh, hours. Uh, like I said, you know, you get the boys around you at training to put you in different scenarios as well so that, you know, when you're in the pressure moments, uh, you've got the confidence that you're going to, you know, slot that goal kick because, as we know, um, yeah, going from four points to six points can uh, certainly win you the game. You know, there's obviously 
you're into the science or the aerodynamics of how to make this thing work in terms of kicking the ball. And I read somewhere that I think when you were a kid in high school, a kid threw you a ball left-handed and you thought, oh, I've got to master that. So you've always had a, a thing in your head where you wanted to work out the science for how it all works? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would have been in grade five uh, and one of the boys, uh, you know, at our school, so he was left-handed. So I could spiral pass right to left, but I yeah. couldn't left to right. And because he was left-handed, he could do that. So I got him to show me how he was doing that, and that's how uh, I started practising uh, passing left to right with, with the spiral. So, yeah, again, uh, you pick out targets. Um, you know, when I was in the backyard uh, having the, the, the clothesline, uh, you know, you, you'd aim for that. Uh, you'd aim to kick around that as well and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, the backyard was a, a big part of uh, learning my skill set. I bet that clothesline took a hammering. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Uh, to mum's uh, disgust, uh, putting all the the, the 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 laundry and the clothes and everything on there, and then um, yeah, me uh, kicking the ball and passing the ball into it. Some of those training regimes you did to you know improve your fitness, you know, with the bulldogs later in Townsville, it's almost like the SAS or something. It sounds brutal. Yeah. Yep. So. My strength, uh, I was never big, um, but I was fit. That was my strength. Um, I could run for days. So when it came to training and, um, you know, fitness sessions and everything mm. that we did, uh, that was my strength. So that's where I excelled. I obviously had to work on my strength in the gym and things like that. But the thing about the Bulldogs, when I got the opportunity to go down there, they – they train extremely hard, so they break you physically and mentally, and um, then they understand uh, if you can handle it mentally and physically, and uh, once they've done that, then they'll build you back up. So, um, yeah, going to the Bulldogs was uh, certainly a learning experience for me. So with 2021 hindsight looking back, do you reckon that's a great way to to go about it, breaking people mentally and physically, or I don't know what, what other job yeah. they get away with that? Yeah, exactly right. So um, I'm not too sure you can go into a, a, an office and uh, try and break them mentally yeah. and physically because uh, that mightn't work. But um, you know, in, in, in the sporting arena, that's and, and at the dogs, I learnt that uh, very quickly, and I think you can probably. For myself uh, and our uh, and our academy, my academy that, that we have, um, you know, we put our, our students, uh, we try and break them down, you know, mentally as well because for us it's about teaching them about courage, confidence and self-belief. Self so um, if I want them to stand up in front of a, a crowd or in front of the class and introduce themselves to not only myself but whoever they're talking to, so... Um, yeah, we do that uh, at the academy, that's for sure. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about the academy, obviously, and uh, what kind of processes are in place then for helping those kids get that sort of confidence? Is it um, is it physical stuff you do with them or is it more speaking and mental approach? Yeah, yeah, so um, it's got nothing to do with uh, rugby league or, or football uh, for myself. 
as a 15-year-old, I got an opportunity to go to St. Mary's. I grew up in Brisbane, got an opportunity to go to St. Mary's, uh, which is a rugby league school. Um, they took uh, the interview went well until they seen my report card, yeah. uh, my report card behaviour and my grades went out of satisfactory level. So I mm. said you can't come to a school like this with a report card like that. If you can improve your grades, improve your behaviour, come back at the end of the year and we'll have another interview. So as a 15-year-old, it took a lot of courage, uh, confidence and self-belief in myself to distance myself from my best mates mm. that I was hanging around and that we used to get in trouble with and that's yeah. why our grades weren't great. So, um, yeah, that took a lot of courage and that's why I'm extremely passionate about, you know, trying to uh, make sure that the next generation of our culture and not only our culture but our nation's youth, uh, you know, are getting opportunities to not only go to school but, uh, we got some incredible partners uh, at the academy, and you know our dream is to have them from school, and then you know get them into whether it's mining or hospitality or yeah. whatever, because we got those partners. So uh, yeah, that's the dream. So h- how do kids come to be part of your academy? Do you go to various schools and tell them about it, or do people come and find you? No, so obviously we've got the, the website. Um, we are funded by the federal government. Uh, yeah. So we run school programs in Kawanyama, Yarrabah, Thursday Island, and uh, we did a pilot program at Woodridge State High School in, in Brisbane. So because uh, of the funding, uh, they tell us where we need to go. Yeah. And obviously in North Queensland, um, you know, I've got a big reach uh, yeah. here, um, you know, playing for the Cowboys. So, but... Yeah, it's got nothing to do with rugby league. It's about, you know, the, the school attendance. So, you know, the kids that we've got in our program, they've gone from, you know, 40% attendance to 85 90% attendance. So um, I'm extremely proud of uh, the kids that we have in the programs and, and what they're doing. That's amazing. What a great result. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's blown my mind uh, how you give them an opportunity and, and they just take it. You know, and that's what our youth need. They need an opportunity. Mm. No matter how old they are, um, whether they're good at school or they're not great at school, you know, I think education and employment, uh, they can change a person's life. Yeah. And that's what the academy is about, education and employment. I think you said in your book that when you were lugging those dead carcasses through the, uh, the, the meat packing <laughs> thing in Coles, yeah. you thought, I should have done better at school, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So I obviously put all my eggs in the one basket with rugby league yeah. and then, um, yeah, finished grade 12 and uh, no uh, NRL club wanted to sign me. So that's when I was thinking I wish I had applied myself to my schooling the way that I did to my rugby league because – as much as I love rugby league at that time mm. in my life, it didn't get me to where I wanted to be. Yeah. I didn't get to I didn't get the you know the, the, the contract with the, the club, so I had to go and find a job and yeah. uh, I asked around and a mate that I was playing uh, rugby league with, uh, he was the head butcher there at Coles and uh, he said, Come and be an assistant and so I, 
I've got schoolies uh, this week, so when I get back from schoolies, I'll, uh, I'll I'm ready to roll. So yeah, I was um, it, it was tough work actually. I was you know sixty kilos ringing wet, so and I was unloading the the pallets in the in the cold room, and yeah. it was freezing. But um, yeah, once I uh, got my first paycheck, I. Yeah, bought some long johns and uh, got some, you know, warm clothes and uh, it wasn't too bad unloading the pallets because it was good for my strength. It's kind of your Rocky Balboa moment really, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, when you um, you don't realise it at the moment uh, when you're in the moment, but, you know, when you're, you know, writing a book and doing the autobiography, yeah, you, you remember these things that have happened and you think – how life-changing they mm. they were for you and they were for me. So, you know, being able to distance myself from my best mates and, you know, focus on my studies as a 15-year-old, that mm. takes a lot of courage and, mm. and self-belief to be able to do that because mm. at 15 years of age, you, know, you just want to be around your mates. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, and then obviously, you know, finding employment uh, at Coles uh, in, in Toowoomba, Another defining moment for me as well. It wasn't about climbing the ladder. It was about just getting a job because yeah. I put all my eggs in the one basket. Rugby league didn't work when I finished school, so I was like, I need a job. So I got my foot in the door with Coles and, um, yeah, worked there for a while. How good are your car washing skills these days? Uh, <laughs> you still do, you do your own? <laughs> yeah, so uh, once I left Toowoomba to uh, go to the Bulldogs, uh, they got me a job at uh, Pickles Auction. So uh, I washed cars from 7am to 3 o'clock uh, and then you'd go and train from 3.30 till about 8 o'clock. So, yeah, that was uh, the life for me. So it was it was good. The people at, at Pickles Auctions, was well, they, they were great. You know, like I was only 18 years of age and didn't know anyone, yeah. but, you know, they, they, they took you in and um, yeah. they welcomed you with open arms. And, and the Bulldogs were the same as well, you know. The, they're known as the family club and yeah. I can't speak highly enough of the Bulldogs. With the JT Academy, do you talk to the kids about alcohol and drugs a lot too? Yeah, yeah. So um, with it's very important to me when we go into a community like Yarrabah, Kawanyama or Thazal that we consult with the elders there as well. So not one size fits all. It's about, you know, um, Get an understanding of what they need in the community as well, and and, and what we can deliver. So, um, yeah, the the kids that we have in our programs now, like I can't be any more proud of of what they've been able to do because they have just gone over and above of, of what's required. And you know, we employ someone that's on the ground as well, so they're the link between us, the academy, mm. the family, or the carer. Yeah. And the students, so that's that's really important to me as well. So, uh, yeah, it's about trying to give them that courage and that, and that confidence and, and, and that belief in themselves that, you know, just because you come from these remote communities, if you want to be a doctor, you can be a doctor. If you want to be a lawyer, you can be a lawyer. Whatever you want to do. It's there for you, and we will guide you along those that that path. So, 
yeah, it's uh, yeah, extremely proud of what the academy's been able to achieve. We're only three years uh, in two weeks, I think. That's our yeah, February eighteenth in twenty. 20- 18, I think we uh, launched the academy. So, yeah, we're nearly three years old. What was the trigger in you to want to help your other people? Yeah, so um, I caught up with uh, Chris Sara uh, uh, yesterday, yeah. actually. Yeah, oh, so did you? Right. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he had a, a massive influence on me. Um, 2010, the Indigenous All-Stars, mm. um, he came in and did an exercise with us. He said, if you know much about your family history and culture, stand at that end of the room. And if you don't know much, stand at that end of the room. So yeah. I was at that end of the room. I always knew I was Aboriginal, but I didn't know too much. I knew mum and her family grew up at Mitchell, uh, you know, out past Roma, and that was probably the extent of it. So after that, I rang mum. And I said, oh, I want to go out to Mitchell and, and spend a weekend out there. And she's like, that's men's business. Like, I can't take you out there. So I rang my grandfather. Um, I took my grandfather, four of my uncles, and I think it was eight of my cousins. So we hired a bus and we drove out to Mitchell and we spent a weekend out there uh, doing traditional dancing. They took us to, you know, little, little local watering holes, you know, where, and – I remember when I got there and I was just like, how good, like, it just had a real calming influence on me and I was like, I feel like I've been here before but I've never been there. And, you know, I rang mum to say, uh, you know, we arrived safely and uh, I said to her, I said, you know, was, oh, I feel like I've been here before, mum, you know. I was 27 years of age uh, yeah, when right. I went, went there. So, and uh, mum said, you know, mum said, I took you out there when you were a baby. So 27 years later, when I've gone out there, it just had this impact on me. And obviously mum took me out there when I was about, I couldn't remember, but I had this connection to my mum's mm. land, uh, you know, and, and it just, yeah, had such an impact on me. And then, you know, on the bus ride on the way back, you know, talking to my cousin, I was like, apart from, you know, meeting the elders and doing what we did, you know, I was like, what was uh, what am I going to do uh, with the knowledge that I've got now? And, uh, you know, rugby league's been great to me that I've been able to uh, become ambassador for different programs. So yeah. on, the, on the way back from Mitchell, uh, uh, I remember speaking to the Cowboys and, uh, and saying, you know, I want to – um, you know, become ambassador for Indigenous programs out there and uh, they had the Learn and Legend program, uh, the Try for Fire program and I think there was one more that I was an ambassador for and I was also an, uh, an ambassador for the Arties uh, program for that the Fogs ran as well. So I was seeing the success that these programs were having but Coming to the back end of my career, I knew I can't be an ambassador for these programs for my whole life, you know, yes. and, and education is what I was passionate about and I spoke to my manager, you know, what, what are we going to do now? Like, you know, I can't be ambassador for these programs, mm-hmm. so I want to, you know, set up something. And, um, yeah, in 2016 we had a meeting with uh, Samantha Johnson, who's the general manager of the academy, and uh Cameron Hockaday, who's uh, one of the directors, and uh, my manager and myself, and um, 
yeah, 2016, we started to mud map things out and uh, 2018, we launched the academy. So my passion is education. Uh, Samantha, who's mm. uh, the general manager, her passion is uh, employment. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's doing some wonderful things. That's amazing stuff you've achieved. Is it something, it sounds like something you, you're working on every day of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, uh, rugby league's been great to me. Uh, I've been able to use that platform through mm. rugby league to uh, make social change. And like I said, um, you know, that weekend that I spent out in Mitchell and, um, yeah, that really had a, a massive impact on me and, and the exercise we did with Chris Sara had a massive impact on me. So, yeah, um, yeah to be able to see where the academy's at now, but the decisions that we make at the academy, they're going to affect the students we have. Yeah. So it's all about the students. The decisions we make in the office is all about the students and um, I can't be proud of, you know, any more proud of the students of what they've been able to achieve in such a short period of time. Well, you're changing people's lives, aren't you? Yeah, it really is big picture stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, everything that I've been able to achieve in, in rugby league, um, you know, the, the things that I've been able to do off the field, um, mm. they're the things I'm most proud of. The, oh, you know, wow. like, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm extremely proud of being able, you know, win the grand final for the Cowboys and, Daily Ams and, uh, and, yeah. and, and Golden Boots and all, all that type of stuff and Origins and Kangaroos and, and all that type of stuff. But, you know, it, it is a game. Uh, it's entertainment. And, you know, through Rugby League I've been able to, to, to make a difference and that's my passion and that's what, I'm, that's what I want to do. A lot of Australians have really come around to the idea of changing the date for Australia Day. And I was curious, um, I, I think they should change the date. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, again, um, you know, my mum and her siblings uh, marched for land rights uh, yeah. through the 60s, 70s, the 80s, you know, in yeah. Melbourne and, and Brisbane and, and things like that. So um, without, um, you know, my elders, my mum, uh, you know, my uncles and aunties doing what they've done and, and our elders and certainly, um, you know, our ancestors, if they didn't walk the paths that they had walked, you know, when civilization happened here, then yeah. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I get today. Yes. And that is something that I don't take for granted. Yes. Because my elders, my ancestors... What they have done in the past, they've afforded me the opportunities to be able to do what I do now. So that's something that I don't take for granted. So with the change of the date, um, I know it's very close uh, to a lot of uh, people's hearts. Um, for myself, um, you know, uh, and I've said this publicly as well, that, you know, uh, there's boys that don't sing the national anthem. Um, I sing the national anthem because my grandfather's brother fought in Vietnam. I've got um, relations that are in the Army, in the Navy, 
that I've served yeah. for the country. So out of respect for my family members, I sing the national anthem. So, But um, I can understand why. I've got a deep understanding of the history of our country, uh, what our elders have been through, and I can understand why uh, the 26th of January is uh, a, 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 not a, a, a date for them to be celebrating. Mm. You know, um, you spent so much life, so much of your life devoted to playing sport. How do you keep fit these days? <laughs> uh, four kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, obviously, you know, playing rugby league, you, you train a lot. Um, but, you know, my focus now has been uh, the family. Uh, rugby league takes you away from your family a, a lot. Um, so, you know, for me, it's about finding that work-life uh, balance now where being able to, you know, do the school drop-offs and pick-ups and, yeah. <clears throat> and things like that. So that's extremely important to me. But, uh, yeah, I don't go to the gym anymore. Um, I don't lift weights anymore. Uh, the shoulders can't handle that. So um, I do a, a bit of running. So do a, a 5K run. It's a great spot to yeah. run here in Townsville along the Strand and uh, the Esplanade and um, down to Pellaranda and back. And, yeah, so I just do a little bit of running. I know you're a very competitive guy. Obviously, I looked you up on Wikipedia and they kind of have the history <laughs> in the background. And then when it gets to achievements, it goes, we can't list them all. There's too many. So <laughs> how do your poor kids cope when you're playing board games and stuff? Do you kind of uh, let them win uh, a few? No. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my eldest daughter, Frankie, she's got a bit of a uh, competitive streak uh, like I do. So um, she plays to win and uh, like I was at her age, um, if I lost, uh, there was tears. Uh, I couldn't stand losing. So she's the same. Uh, Charlie's uh, got a, a competitive streak as well. So she's uh, six... This year, so yeah, they've all got that competitive streak. So, but yeah, when we're playing Monopoly and uh, Snakes and Ladders, uh, I play to win. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've become like you've developed this uh, other life too. You've got your charity work uh, or your social justice work, and then you've got your um, your business life. Was there a lot of things you learned in sport that you can transfer across? Because you know, you've got the airline you're a part of, and uh, I understand I should talk to you about my solar panels. Yes. Do all yeah, those kind of things yeah, happening? That, that's, that's right. So, um, yeah, coming towards the back end of my career, um, you know, you need to uh, branch out and um, uh, do things that you're passionate about. So, obviously, the academy is at the forefront, but, you know, I'm a co-owner of Skytrans as well. So, um, we, you know, service far north Queensland and, mm. Also, uh, we're playing in, in Brizzy that fires, uh, you know, uh, workers out to the Central West as well. So, um, yeah, the, the rugby league uh, and the competitiveness um, and I suppose uh, the leadership and the, the things you learn uh, in playing sport, it's very transferable in, in, in the business aspect as well. Yeah. So being a halfback, uh, being a, a you know, captain at an early age, uh, communication is, is key. 
um, to your teammates, uh, to your coaching staff. So, you know, I was always a shy kid uh, growing up, but playing in the halves, being a captain, you need to learn how to communicate. So, you know, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing that I've tried to take from the, the footy field to my business life is um, being able to communicate. And there's been tough conversations that you have to have, mm. like rugby league. Uh, it's constructive criticism. Um, but, you know, when you um, communicate it in a way that is respectful um, and for what's best for the person and the business, yeah. um yeah, you can understand why those conversations can be tough. Sports psychology had a big impact on you during your career. You had people you could rely on to talk to and uh, come up with better strategies to deal with the pressure of the game in your life? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I've always had a, a close group of mates that I've confided in and, you know, talked about what I was going through and things like that. But um, while it's good to talk to them about it, uh, they couldn't give me – building blocks and, uh, and foundations to be able to deal with what I was going through. So um, I've had a psychologist uh, all through my playing career. Yeah. Uh, I still speak to this person today yeah. um, in, in my so in, in my life. So, yeah, uh, a psychologist has been a big part of, of my life and um, I've found that, you know, when I've been going through tough periods in my life. Um, like I said, talking to my friends has been great, but talking to a psychologist, this person would be able to put building box blocks mm. and, and foundations in place for me to be able to overcome what I've, what I've been going through. So, yeah, I'm not uh, shy in the fact of uh, speaking to um, adults, children, youth about uh, accessing uh, yeah. help, you know, help lines. I, um, I think you might have said this recently too, that you had a great way of dealing with negative stuff in your life because you're obviously a very good visualiser. Is it true you write it down? Yeah, and then- yeah that's right. So, um, again, uh, through uh, the, 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 the psychologist, um, you know, being in the public eye, um, yeah, on the front page of the paper and you're on the, the back page of the paper uh, as well. So, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, you get, you play a bad game, you know you've played a bad game um, and you know that the community knows you played bad. The, the, the paper is going to write you played a bad game. But for myself, what we came up with a psychologist is um, – Visualise, because like I said, I visualise my goal kicks, yeah. everything. Uh, visualising um, the negative thoughts that are in my head. Uh, visualising those on a piece of paper. And when you throw rubbish in the bin, once you throw the rubbish in the bin, unless you miss, you'll yeah. pick it up and put it back in. <laughs> but when you throw the rubbish in the bin, you're done with it. You don't yeah. think about that rubbish. So for myself, yeah. we, we came up with... Um, writing down those negative thoughts uh, on, a, on a piece of paper, so visualising that negative thought in my mind, visualise scrunching it up and visualising throwing it in the bin. So that's how I would deal with uh, negative thoughts. Um, and like I said, being in the public eye, there's a lot of uh, negative thoughts that go on out there. So, But, yeah, that's how I would deal with it and that's how I tell 
kids uh, and adults because um, this is my story. This is what I did, and you know, kids and adults are doing the same thing now. Oh, Jonathan, thanks for sharing your story. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. You've been so generous, and you know, you've obviously had an amazing uh, football career. But what you've done to give hope to people and encourage them—it really is. It's uplifting, and thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, like, like I said, you know, rugby league's given me a lot, and um, I'm passionate about education and employment. So to be able to be in the position that I am, due to the paths that our elders have yeah. walked, um, you know, I want to make a difference there. So thanks for having me. No, oh, thanks, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. No worries. Uh, big thanks to Jonathan Thurston. Um, I've got to say, it was just great to spend, what, 45 minutes chatting to him. Such a remarkable man, what he's achieved, um, not only on the sporting field, but his commitment to helping youth and particularly Indigenous youth in Australia is just a wonderful thing. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, um, please subscribe so you get it in your inbox every time we release an episode. And if you liked it, please give us a nice rating because that helps move us further up the, uh, the ladder there so more people can hear about Time to Talk. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sean Sennett, and we'll see you back here again very soon. <laughs>